welcome to season two of the Sober Experiment podcast with Alex and Lisa. Our podcast is for anyone and everyone, whether you're still drinking, thinking about ditching the booze, or you've already quit alcohol for good. Our podcast is raw and still unedited to this day. Join us and our guests for tears, emotion, and some hilarious laugh out loud moments. Season two is sponsored by Lunar Holistics. Lunar Holistics offers a wide range of professional home study courses, including counselling, life coaching, and NLP. They also offer courses in beauty therapy and for the most spiritual minded of you, they've got courses in tarot, palmistry, astrology and psychic development. So if you've been considering a new career or you want to learn just for fun, no matter where you are in the world, Lunar Holistics will enable you to gain a fully recognised, accredited and insurable qualification and no previous academic qualifications are required. Lunar courses are easy to follow and you can study from home at any time that suits you. We're really excited that Luna has offered to sponsor this season as everything that they do aligns perfectly with our core values. I'm Alex, one half of the Sober Experiment. And I'm Lisa, the other half. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I'm laughing because what nobody knows is how bossy bootsy you've just been to me to do this introduction. Do you know what else no one knows? That your picture keeps falling off the wall. I know. Look, it's crooked now as well. I know, but you're not going to be able to see it. So anyway, we have got Polly Dukes on now today. Yes, we have. And she's made, well, she made lots of really interesting points. But one of the things that you and me haven't really considered, even though we have considered it, is what happens when you reach your milestone. So like if you do a 30-day experiment and you get to 30 days... Sometimes people relapse. If you get to 100 days, sometimes people relapse. A year, five years. When they hit that certain point, what happens to them then? You know, it is really interesting. And I love that Polly actually helps people that get to that stage. Like she was saying before, her ideal client is actually somebody that is around 12 months sober and then is at the stage of like, well, what's next? And actually, I really get that because when I got to my 12 months, I remember like being really excited about it. And then you tell people like, oh, I'm getting to one year and they're like, oh my God, that's amazing. What are you going to do? And then you go, well, Nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I mean, get there and you have your day of celebration and then you go, all oh, right, so do I just do another year now? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, it can be such a weird feeling. And I think that's when you're seeing it as a challenge maybe. or It's yeah. all around mindset, isn't it? All it is, and it's, it's also, we know, we have thought about this in many ways because we know that's why often dry January doesn't work or you know, October and you go to the 1st of February or the 1st of November and go, woohoo, drink time. Because in your head, you've never really decided, as in made the decision to stop. You've yeah. made the decision that you're going to do a challenge. So she's got a really good point and a really good niche. So yeah, what a good story as well, particularly at the end. And I know that she said loads of good stuff, but that last 10 minutes for me was... Very moving. Really moving. I think she's got such an incredible story and one that shows how strong she is, how resilient she is, how yeah, she kind of told the beginning at the end. She is. She yeah. I said we we kind of got the beginning of her story at the end of our podcast. It's a bit back to front, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was, but it's definitely worth listening to. And I'm worth um, waiting for. Really, really excited to introduce everyone to Polly Dukes. Hi, Polly. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. It's so lovely to be here. All the amazing work that you guys do. It's great to kind of, you know, collaborate and to support each other. So we're really excited because the first time we met you was obviously on the sober sessions and we just yeah. uh, you didn't have enough airtime for everything we wanted you to say so I don't know whether that's how you felt but we definitely felt it didn't we Lisa oh I was gutted like we got a little bit from you and as soon as we finished that I was like Alex we need to get Polly on the podcast as soon as possible <laughs> uh, yeah to be honest you know the lady I was on with Rachel she is phenomenal isn't she I was like I want to hear more about her she's amazing so I oh she so was true. amazing but you definitely yeah. did your own Polly definitely we should have done two uh, one with you yeah. and one with her yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh well it's what a brilliant opportunity to meet up all again <laughs> yeah we're really grateful thank you so let's start then from the beginning if that's all right and kind of um what brought you to sobriety what brought me to sobriety the fact that, yeah, life was going downhill. Um, I was kind of out of control of my own mind, basically. You know, life, I was full of paranoia. Um, I was very sketchy. You know, I kind of, it, it, that was my word for it. It was like paranoia. You know, I'd, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I was just, all I saw was, you know, I just hated exactly what I saw. Um, I tried everything but giving up the wine. <laughs> you know, I'd done various personal development things um, and kind of throughout my sort of personal journey, I'd gone, oh, well, this will help and this will help. And I'd done like Stop October a couple of times and I'm a bit of a rebel. So I was like, I am not doing dry January. No way. I want to do what, you know, I don't want to be doing what everybody else is doing. Um but I know that in October when I did do it, resentfully and begrudgingly, I did start to feel like a little bit better at the end. And I certainly noticed there was a difference in my mood and my sleep. Um, but I drank twice as much the next month because I'd been good for a month. So I just wasn't there. And I knew in my heart and my heart, so I was doing some coaching training at the time, it kept, you had to do quite a lot of self-coaching and peer coaching. And it kept coming back to wine. <laughs> I was like, what would it be like without the wine? What would it be like? So it's, that curiosity was kind of there. Um, and I was just sick of my own BS, you know, sick of the pathetic excuses, sick of the three, four o'clock in the morning, like, right, today I'm not going to drink as much as I did yesterday. Today, this is going to be the day where I do my two consecutive days without alcohol. Today, this is going to be the day in this constant, you know, cycle of, Teacher tatter about alcohol and the thought and the con I was so consumed with it all. I was just absolutely sick of it. You know, there was no kind of particular rock bottom. It was a slow accumulation. And I just knew if I carried on the way that I did, there was going to be some serious consequences. And I didn't like the version of myself. And it almost felt like there was a sober version of me like, trying to burst out like come on come on you're so close you're so close so um yeah and I'm kind of living that now and I'm loving it so 
It's so fantastic. We hear this a lot. And, you know, like the number of people when, on their story that say, I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was just fed up of it. I just had enough. And I think that's how it is for all of us. You know, like it gets to a point where you just can't stand yourself in the way that you're bullshitting yeah. yourself anymore. Yeah, completely. And you know in your hearts of hearts, it's like if you're thinking or if you're Googling, like, am I drinking too much or you know, how do I get rid of a hangover or how, how do I know if my liver's okay? It's like, you know, you know, you know, there's an issue um, that needs to be addressed in one shape or form. So, and I think it's having that honest kind of conversation with yourself as well. It's something needs to change and projecting into the future. In one of my courses, um, I did do that exactly that. It was like a time travel exercise. So what's life going to be like in a year? what's life going to be like in five years what's life going to be like in 10 years and it was really quite bleak yeah. it was a real eye-opening moment for me and I was like oh it's not going to be pretty <laughs> and you have a course of roots so you're like I know which one I want to be on but how the hell do I do it you know this this you know it was my best friend I commiserated with it I celebrated with it I did my days with it you know it was a constant in my life and, <laughs> and the thought of taking that away I was like how the hell do you do life without alcohol my my brain just could not comprehend it at all so it's so funny you know because we were talking the other day I can't even remember who it was with now but it was definitely someone on a podcast about how we used to plan our hangovers mm. so like Lisa's favourite hangover trick was Diora. Oh, I had such um, good hangover tricks. I used that for Snowden yeah. and mountain climbing now. The same trick, but just not for hangovers. So oh, I used to have no. I used to have one before I went to sleep after a night out. I thought I was like, we'd go for like a girl a weekend, and I was like, girls, I've got the diver light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, we'd be in Ireland, and all of a sudden, you'd, we'd get in our room, and, we, and when we stayed in a room, we knew we were only going to literally sleep in it for three hours. <laughs> the shelf, that's it, was somewhere to put the bags. And on the side would be a pair of straighteners, next day's clothes, a bit of makeup, and diorite, um, you know, like paracetamol or something and I used to do the same I had some called iOS drops these yellow fizz drops swore by them like and I used to have them and my paracetamol after my last drink whatever time that was and then wake up and have them again I'm thinking now how crazy that you planned to be debilitated for the day Definitely. how crazy and, is that lost time and how much forward thought you put into it as well it's planning planning ahead it's like how manipulative and how creative we can be as well and it's learning like they are still skills but now we can utilize them to really serve us rather than you know sabotage us as well so yeah i hear you i was quite late to the diorite party but yeah i was like yes on that and i've got some <laughs> athletes in my family and they have like the gels and the um drops that you put in the water and i was like oh yeah cool I have that like I completely <laughs> use my body so that will help <laughs> it's you've um do you have like any kind of story well of course you've got a story but like what do you think brought you to the point of the drinking being a problem for you because obviously everybody's drink problem mm. has backstory to it yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't, I listened to lots of other people's stories and I wasn't the typical had it, you know, I, I had, as a teenager, I experimented and I went all in. <laughs> there was like an occasion where I obviously drank one of those little bottles of gin at a party. I, all, I 
didn't have the capacity to have a little bit. I think with me, I'm an all or nothing. So like, I remember being at this party, just drinking this gin and getting the bus home. I was obviously violently sick. So the bus driver kind of kicked me out and I just fell where he placed me, which was oh. in a grassy kind of, um, you know, verge kind of by the side of the road, but actually quite remote and quite rural. So, and I just slept there for a couple of hours and eventually kind of got myself home at age 13. So that was quite scary. I've never, ever been able to drink gin, even when I was like, you know, rumbling around, um, rummaging around the house, kind of going, there must be something else to drink. And there'd be gin. And I couldn't, I could never, ever stomach it, even the smell. So I should have learned then, really, but I didn't. It was um, the gin's fault, though. That's what we do. We oh, blame the yeah, you go, I drink tequila instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I then went on to Petroliberry and some other, other things. So I kind of then sort of learned, and I didn't really like the feeling of being drunk. I didn't, and there, but there was this kudos amongst friends and peers. You know, when I was growing up, things were slightly different. But I knew, um, yeah, I, I knew it, it kind of took me somewhere away from who I was and my problems at home and how, you know, my version of myself was. It took me away from that. And I think that's what I liked, that feeling. I never really liked the taste of alcohol um, per se. It was the sensation that it gave me. So, um, and I kind of lent on it towards, you know, I kind of come across as like quite an outgoing person, but in, you know, with all my kind of demons, I needed this bravado, I needed this front, I needed this mask. So it lended itself beautifully to kind of give me this. Um, so I used it quite a lot for that. Um, and it wasn't really until I'd used to go out with my girlfriends, you know, and we were in vodka and Red Bull, so we could kind of dance all night. And I kind of, my husband was got, he used to drink red wine, you know, it's a civilized thing. We got together. So it was kind of like courting, that dating. And I kind of noticed that I would have to have that last bit. We'd share a bottle, but I'd be like, actually, I want a bit more. I want a bit more. And I never kind of got satisfied with just, you know, that whatever it is, you know, half a bottle. And I wanted more and I wanted more. And I think it really helped um, dilute adulting, you know, responsibilities, um, there was quite a lot of pressure on us. We kind of, you know, had various businesses along the way. So it kind of took the edge off. So it learned really for me to escape from whatever was kind of going on in life. Um, and I kind of realized I had some demons. So I had some counseling and saw, um, you know, some various sort of therapists and it would come up, but they weren't concerned about how much I was drinking. So I was like, wow that's okay then. So if they're not worried, then then I'm not worried. This is normal. So, and of course, as we all know, your tolerance level starts to creep up. So therefore you drink more, you know, your dependability, it helps in this scenario. So I have it in this, 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 this scenario. So the, the bandwidth was definitely getting bigger and wider. Um, and it just kind of accumulated really, the stress and adulting and just that you know the more I drank the rubbish I felt the next day and then my days were kind of getting short towards the end the days were getting quite shorter I need a drink to help me because of hair of the dog you know I can't wait to you know get the kids into bed so then I can start drinking again and they become quite manipulative and cunning about it well if I drink earlier and I won't be worried about driving the next morning you're like oh yeah. I've got these like 
pull in and you know these pull in and push in kind of rules you start to bend and flex and it's scary it was it was really scary so I think it was a gradual build-up I really liked how it made me feel um you know like I said I had like a horrendous toxic relationship with myself and my self-talk would be saying the most horrendous things even you know if you said it to somebody else out loud you know they would like smack you on it's like you just don't you know, um, I couldn't see any good in myself. Um, I was a waste of space. You know, I used to say I was an F, F up. You know, it's, I just absolutely despised myself. And for a couple of hours, it just gave me a buffer. It just put pause on and I could just escape from myself. So, but then kind of piecing it all together now, in hindsight, you're like, well, the next day, I, it had all the ammunition it needed to wipe the floor of me exactly the game. You said you were going to have two drinks. You didn't, you know, or you're such a waste of space. You're a bad mum. You're a bad business owner. You're a bad, you know, you're, you're just a bad person. You know, why can't you just have one? You know, why you always got to take it to further on. So it, it kind of was this horrible, vicious cycle of, you know, self-sabotage, um, you know, self-critic and then this kind of self-fulfilling profit. And I was just stuck in this horrendous wheel going round and round and round um, and sort of piecing it all together. It's like, and now it's so obvious. I look back and just go, oh, well, the wine was kind of fueling that and this inner self-talk and destroying your relationship with yourself. You know, it's kind of take the wine out and it's like, you know, now I'm I'm nearly a thousand days alcohol free. So oh, three wow. years in January. So and I, I'm so proud of it. It's like I decided to do it. I did it. I didn't have any blitz. I didn't have any, um, uh, you know, kind of didn't fall off the wagon. It was just solid. Like I said, I'm an all or nothing person. And that yeah. goes against me, but also works in my favor. So and. Every day, I just felt a little bit more proud of myself. My self-esteem grew, my confidence grew. And this inner dialogue, this inner bitch, I kind of called her, didn't have anything to grasp hold of. It was kind of like each day she was shrinking, you know, and the shame and um, the self-hatred. You know, each day I kind of had a little more of a chink of an armour in, in them and I was winning. So... Kind of what I'd love to ask you is because you know we we have the sober experiment and we speak to people who are just wanting to stop drinking and that's the biggest fear is stopping and you know people the self-hatred and the talk and they just we drink a lot don't we to numb things out and I know yeah. you said like you had your demons that um you had to deal with so how did you do it what did you do and what was the hardest part about quitting the drink how did I do it well I kind of got accountability I found some other people that were like-minded and then I think that helps dilute it like it's not just you you know I had friends who were big drinkers and we all justified each other's behavior. Um, Finding other people who are teetotal or part of a sobriety or having on an alcohol free challenge, you're suddenly like, Oh, Oh, okay. And listening to their stories and, you know, cause they're all a slight different version and kind of going, Oh, it's not just me. You don't, you just feel a little bit more, um, yeah, it kind of gives you a little bit of an anchorage, leverage, and you're like, okay, brilliant. Um, very early on, I wrote down my whys, and I did a really, really powerful um, exercise, and I do this with my clients now. It's 
getting deep with your whys, like not just a superficial layer. It's like asking yourself more whys and really sitting. And basically, it sounds really cool, but your whys should make you cry. And I hate that word should, but I'll come back to that in a minute. So you should be falling when you think about your why, because therefore you've reached this emotional point um, within you that is then talking to your primitive part of your brain that is basically responsible for your behavior and your impulses and, you know, your, your kind of subconscious traits. So if you can access that, that helps you keep you on the straight and narrow. So my wise, I've got a big whiteboard written down. And then every time I kind of went, you know, checked in on a daily basis at the beginning, because the days are long, (laughs) The weeks are long, months are long. So it's like, what what else has benefited me today? Um, And then I'd go, oh, God, I wouldn't have done that if I was drinking. Or I actually felt like this. It was checking in and adding them to my list of whys. I mean, I've probably got hundreds of them now. And then you're looking at the bone and then kind of when you're having a moment or a craving, you just think, what's the point? Go back, look at my whys and then just think, God, my whys and my list of benefits. You're like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to lose all of that. This is everything that I've gained. Um, yeah, so why is aggressive? You know, using communities, sober communities, and there's so many of them now, it's incredible to reach out, you know, because everybody generally who's on this journey wants everybody else to succeed. They're the most yeah. nicest, love, loving people, genuine, authentic people I've ever, ever met. And it's like, they're just you know they just want everybody to succeed so it's a case of you know throwing your heart out there as well being honest but it's a real big leap of faith but once you start to connect with people um yeah noticing the winds you know things like weight loss sleep skin hair like my hair is lush now you do I'd have like, really good hair you do have good hair right? and <laughs> i'd like some hair. tips on two things then because i put my hair's crap ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did well i didn't catch the first bit so my, I put on weight as well, and I cannot. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that actually I was kind of undernourished when I was drinking. Uh, yeah, I'm so with you on that. Yeah, I put yeah. on weight in the first year, and I was like, "This isn't supposed to happen." And I yeah. could see other people ahead of me in my journey, and they were leaping around with loads, a load of energy. They were running marathons. They were doing Spartans. Yeah, mountains, and I was like. I can't even do, I can't do that. You know, my energy <laughs> levels were still quite low. And and I was like, this isn't fair. I feel like I'm hungover. I feel like I, I've never got, well, I never really got that like pink cloud, they call it, or this sudden burst of like, I'm not, you know, get out of the bed. And it's like, I'm on this, you know. Um, yeah, but I've kind of delved into that as well. And it's not just like stopping alcohol. It's, the whole nutrition around it as well yeah. it's what we've done to our bodies um needs a lot of time to kind of detox and to put good stuff back into your body but i'd say in that first year of sobriety my kind of mantra was anything but alcohol it's like i let myself eat the cake yeah. i let myself eat the chocolate i let myself have fizzy drinks you know it was like that was kinder to myself than alcohol one battle at a time i was like one battle at a time so started off fundamentally with alcohol so um and now it's you know kind of as the journey evolves you know i was like if i just get it, it, look, it looks like when people give up alcohol their whole life changes and they wave a magic wand everything's perfect that didn't happen for me if only <laughs> i know yeah, so like, oh, yeah. lots of things and i'm still do. on that 
kind of journey now, like thinking, oh, yeah. am I ever going to get there? But I think, you know, I'm I'm only 15 months sober. Yeah. So only? Bit, uh, I, I was just going to yeah. say that. It's yeah. not an only. Virtual slang. Well, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's relatively young in terms that when you compare it to two years, three years, you know, it, I'm still learning quite a lot about the journey. Um, I had, I did find a pink fluffy cloud. Maybe that was my problem because I kind of oh. floated around on it eating biscuits. But that <laughs> <laughs> okay. might have been it. But um, yeah, I mean, were you a coach before or did you go into coaching afterwards? Okay, so. Yeah, on and off. Um, I've been doing like self-development courses, programs over the last, what am I now, kind of seven years and then had gained qualifications. But I was like, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. Oh, I can't. Yeah. You know? So with the alcohol kind of out of the picture and lots of things in place um, in very early days of my sobriety, I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to set up my business. I'm just going to do it. So <laughs> in hindsight, it gave me like another focus and I, and I pushed it forward and I nailed it. But it was such a big distraction. I feel like I'm dealing with things now that I probably should have dealt with in the first 18 months of my sobriety. But realistically, I don't think I had it in me to deal and cope with what was coming up. So I've recently read uh, Bryony Gordon's Glorious Rock Bottom book. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. Uh, it, it takes honesty to a whole new level. And I can really relate and you know, it really resonated with me in quite a deep level. And I was like, Okay, thanks, Bryony. <laughs> I'm going to go and readdress some of these things. So, and I coached for, um, I was kind of with an organization who did like bulk challenges, and I was so enthusiastic and I loved it so much and was so part of the community. They offered me a job to coach. So I was like, wow. okay. <laughs> and then hold the group Zooms and, you know, get involved with various events. And it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. So, alongside that, I'm building up my own coaching practice. I kind of, yeah, so I've, I've constantly always been coaching. I took uh, a little bit of time out this summer because I kind of worked relentlessly all through lockdown and then went, oh, okay, I'm feeling a bit, <laughs> I'm feeling a bit, you know, it's tricky the whole homeschooling and, and lockdown and the kids. So I just need to just basically hang out with my kids this summer, which is what I've done. So I'm slowly kind of winding things back up again, which has been brilliant. You know, when you've got your own business, you can do that, can't you? So I'm incredibly lucky, incredibly fortunate. So. It's not just luck and fortune, though, is it? Because obviously, like you've just kind of alluded to, when you get sober, you suddenly switch something on in yourself that's been asleep for a long time. And mm-hmm. until, you, until you kind of take that step, even if you don't consider yourself having a drink problem, it's remarkable like how many options open up to you and you think, what? Like, Lisa, you say, don't you, that everything good, you can say it. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I'm not looking at me. <laughs> we, we've got to this point, right, now in our friendship, from knowing each other since we were 11, where Alex just forgets sometimes, right, that I'm here and she'll talk for me and she'll say it for me. And we had a conversation about it not that long ago and she was like, you know, when I was little, I think I did that for my sister. And I'm like, she now actually does do it, don't you? So yeah. I just drift off now because I think, well, she's just going to say it for She'll me. Say it. <laughs> and I catch oh. myself doing it like just then and go, oh, actually, it's your story that you better tell it. <laughs> oh, it just shows how like in tune you are with each other. That's amazing. <laughs> oh. So, so go on, Lisa, what do you say about... Oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> You, you know me better than me now. <laughs> she says everything good that's happened to her, 
recently has been as a result of her stopping drinking. Don't you say that? I, I do say that. No, I do. <laughs> I do genuinely believe, honestly, everything. I'm just going to say it again, but in my, my accent. Uh, but yeah, everything that is good is because I've stopped drinking. Like yeah. every day I'll say, that wouldn't have happened if I was still drinking. Oh, or just even tiny little things. It's amazing. And I didn't think that I was that bad but obviously like two years later now I'm looking back and we've just wrote a bit of a story for um we're going into a rehab center out it's my favorite thing to do I love it but we've I've been kind of like looking at my story and I can see how I've got more honest and honest you know over the last like more honest she's added 2,000 words since the first time (laughs) We went the oh, first time and, just and now I don't. And now it's yeah, like loads. It's a as you grow in your confidence and it becomes more part it becomes part yeah. of your identity, you reveal more of your story. Like I can remember when I outed myself on Facebook, I was like, Oh my god, oh my god. And now it's like I'll just kind of put something on, you know, and, and it, it just feels so natural as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Think, I think, go on. No, you go. I was just going to say with it being the rehab centre as well, we feel we can be more open than we would anywhere else, don't we? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think yeah. like we, we love both of them. The workplaces is great, but you've kind of got to... Um, rein it in. Yeah, you've got to rein it in where, like, we've been able to just go, like, yeah, they might keep me in, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they might be like, you're not ready to leave yet, Lisa. <laughs> So next time oh, you're on a podcast, I'll be on with someone who's leaving and she'll be there saying, yeah, they kept her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing that you're doing it. So I think kind of going back to the way, it's just being really like mindful as well, isn't it? And understanding that if you replace one habit, but you fill it with something else, you'll not really get into the deeper issue. I always talk about this big black void I have within me and I kind of poured copious amounts of you know red wine into it and that's when it kind of felt full you know the next day that void was still there and probably slightly even bigger because all the wine had kind of gone within my body so it'd be so easy to kind of take wine out and then put food in or and like I did take the wine away and just be unbelievably busy so busy that you can't kind of focus and just you know you come I look at you know I completely distracted myself from actually what was going on and just counting the days but not doing the other part of the work which is all that self-awareness are you twins no i I, I would see that honestly polly (laughs) i think i massively relate to you and our story is actually really similar especially with like as soon as i stopped drinking and I work with my mum as well in our business. I just went full force into it. And then obviously like with the Be Sober and the Sober Experiment and then you forget and then sometimes you feel like you've got to visit your dark hall, haven't you? Yeah. I'd love to know, how do you, do you, do you have tools? How do you deal with that? Well, I think once you, as kind of coaches and in the work that you're doing, once you catch it you're like you can't not see it yeah. you're like god damn it you know you you know that you're distracting you know that you're trying to kind of fill a void you know that you're trying to like busy yourself so it's, but enable to be able to have this self-awareness you need to slow down which is so hard it's like one of the most 
you know, it sounds the most easiest thing. It's like sit and meditate, walk slowly, you know, do grounding exercises. I will do everything, but I will clean my house. You know, I do all the jobs I don't want to do. I go for a thing of paperwork, you know, to avoid sitting down and like being with myself, especially in the early days, because, yeah, I don't know what I'm so frightened of, you know, but that's the time when you're kind of mulling things over and thinking and processing. And that's when these things are coming up as well for you to go okay I know what I'm doing to identify patterns to you know because it's like it's all individual to ourselves to identify patterns and to see them come in rather than just kind of being railroaded into old subconscious behaviors you know because our brain basically has a motto it's like um you know it you know it wants to keep you alive um, so therefore it's, you know, that whole self-preservation, do what I did yesterday because I've kept you alive, you know, and that yeah. occurs to drinking, that occurs to being busy, that and when you're trying to swap and change things, it's going, no, 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 you might die, you know, yeah. because it thinks we're back in caveman days, you know, and that kind of primitive Neanderthal, so that's when we need to apply all the breaks and the tools that we've got to go, no, this is kind of going my way. You need to do this consistently and um, constructively in a way that you're making new neurons within your brains and new go-to, new healthy go-to things to then start to shake up this subconscious mind and start to put your, you know, coordinates, so like a sat-nav or something like that, to put in your coordinates in the direction that you want to go in rather than the direction that it wants to take you back because it doesn't know um, that what you're doing is actually hindering the rest of your body. You know, the brain and the body are connected, but they often work in very different ways. So it's all just fascinating. The more I learn, the more I'm yeah. like, oh yeah. Uh. yeah it is, it's so absolutely fascinating. fascinating. And I've been um, listening to, well, look, we both Lisa and I do a lot of listening to various self-development books, but my latest one has been um, Brené Brown's Rising. Oh, I love her. That and you know what? I, I never did until I've read this because I thought Rising Strong, I've not read the others, I thought Rising Strong is what I need. I just want to know about resilience. I just want to know about vulnerability. And it got me thinking, you know, what I've spent my entire life doing is moving from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing for the next thing that's going to make me happy. External, external, external. Mm -hmm. New husband, new job, new holiday, new house, new car, new shoes, new anything. Hated being on my own. Hated, hated, hated it. And for the first time in my life, and I'm like in my 40s, I can sit on my own and just not have the chatter. And I just think, and it's not done last long because the chatter does come quite a lot. Yeah. I've got these times now where I just have peace and I can't explain that in any other way. Peace. I don't need, I don't need anybody now because it's peaceful. It's weird. Not always. Still, I'm going to <laughs> so I completely relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that as well. So, and I think, like you said, it's when you were looking at other things to fill the void. It's yeah. like, all oh, right, you know, this relationship isn't working, so therefore I need a new relationship, or, or this isn't working, and that. And you, you pin in all your hopes on on that, and you get there, and it's like, oh, this is rubbish. What's next? What yeah. Like what next? What's next? Yeah. Um, I read in lockdown as well. I can't think of the title. It's a Claire Pooley one. She, the joy of the ordinary, or oh no, is that um, Catherine Gray? Gray. I always get those two mixed up because they're both amazing at what they do, yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I started that, 
it was brilliant and it made me think what actually does make me happy because like you it's is it external stuff is it internal stuff it's like well what does and it kind of galvanized me and inspired me to write down a list of things that actually make me happy and they're so simple things like you know belly laughing with the kids playing yeah. with the dog you know taking up sitting with my book in the sunshine it's they're not things that cost a million dollars they're things that I can do so now I'm like oh I'm feeling edgy or I'm feeling a bit you know tired or I'm not quite sure what do I what do I need to do you know and I also use them to kind of re- things to rejuvenate you and to ignite your soul and to make you feel full up in life and I'm like I'm just gonna go to the garden play the dog or sun's sun's out you know or they don't take you don't have to do it all day like you know it's not a whole day in the spa it's like 10 minutes just doing this you know it can just really reconnect you with yourself you, you know what? Like that, don't you? yeah we're doing it's really funny because i have spent my whole life trying to think of what makes me happy from from being a little girl and i remember the question what do you want to do when you grow up what makes you happy what do you like and i used to sit there and think i don't know what i like i don't know what i'm into and i remember having a conversation with my mum and i must have been about 20 because I'd had my daughter at 19 and I was starting to go out again a little bit and I remember saying mum I don't know what to talk about with people because I don't know who I am and I don't know what I want and I don't know what makes me happy so that book the um the unexpected joy of the ordinary is that's it like you say it doesn't have to be this big thing it can be anything just like you said walking the dog just yeah nice things and I think we pressure ourselves so much to try and find things to make us happy it's um I started that book in lockdown and then I stopped and you've just fully reminded because as you were talking then this is what I was thinking what does make me happy? And as you are, you're talking, I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I like just little things. So yeah, thank you for that. You've really given me a reminder that I needed. Yeah, caveat, I didn't finish it. I picked up another book because I'm I'm nightmare like that. That's why I myself. Pick it up again because I really needed to do that. So I completely, 100%, like those words could have come out of my mouth as well, Lisa. So I think there must be a twin thing going on. Yeah, that's so... Honestly, I can't believe how much you remind me of some of the things that I see about oh, Lisa. Maybe she doesn't. You know, know what else? Her. It's no. what you said before about being a rebel. You know, you didn't do dry, dry January because yeah. everyone else did it. Like, why, why would we want to do that when everybody else is doing? <laughs> so I did October two instead once. <laughs> once, yeah. <laughs> but in um, in Catherine Gray's book as well, it was really refreshing to read. I am not naturally positive, and I'm. How she put it, it's like a naturally pessimistic and a naturally like not depressed person, but you know, it takes so much work to keep yourself buoyant. It takes so much work to to be oh positive. God, I'm going. Yeah, and it's like, God, I felt like that my whole life. You know, it's like I have you know, Polly, you don't even know. Have you been reading Lisa's Instagram right? I'm, I promise you, Lisa says to me. Everybody just thinks I'm so positive all the time. And she went, it takes work to be 
this happy yeah. world. And like life is hard. Like I've had to stop myself saying that. God, it's so hard. It's like, no, reframe. Is it hard? Is it challenging? What am I learning at the moment? So it's, it do you find that though, Polly? Do do you work hard at it? Because you do come across yes. as a naturally positive person. Yes. So it's like you human. <laughs> yeah, no, I used to think happy people bouncing around like being all joint would go, hey, we'll shut the door and go off and go for that. Uh, I could be really miserable now. It's like, because sometimes that's how I, re- you know, re- I just thought, oh, they're on drugs. Oh, they're drunk. <laughs> they're, you know, oh, you know. Uh, I honestly, like, my brain just couldn't comprehend that we're happy like that all the time. No, no, it takes consistency. It takes, um, energy you know energy that sometimes I haven't got as well yeah. which is part of like my journey at the moment it's sort of saying no to things it's like I don't have to kind of you know put myself give my all to everybody that's okay I know I need to reserve my energy levels and I think that is the big learning curve and the big balance for me this year it's I need to manage my energy levels and it's okay to kind of go no that's oh, I swear to god you're on the you are telepathic with Lisa honestly I can't believe it I really oh. am kind of in, it, it's the same point on your journey isn't it Lisa? yeah we, we must be around yeah the, the same time and doing the same things because I'm ex- it, just this morning there was somebody had put an Instagram post on and it was all about saying no and I'd commented on it saying, I really need to do this because I I used to say yes all the time. Then I got good at saying no, but that was just to drinking things. Now I say yes to every single sober thing. So I need to- Even stuff that I end up doing because she ends up doing <laughs> it. She says yes to things. And then I go, oh, Lisa, we've agreed to do this. And she goes, mm, yeah, all right. I'll read that book and review it, Lisa. It's all right. Oh, teamwork. 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 Yeah, you say yes. I mean, we have this conversation a lot about being able to say no and and time management and and (laughs) time to keep you healthy. Um, Your life is just super busy, isn't it, Lisa? So you do... I think that as much as you love being positive and you love being bubbly and you love doing everything for everybody, you don't recognise your own needs sometimes. Definitely not. And I think you're the same there, Polly, with that, aren't you? It's a complete diversion. It's like, it's so much easier to look after, run around, do everything for everybody else than it is to kind of have that look of what's going on in within you. So, and it's only a case of, you know, I, I am so good at this with my clients. It's like, listen to your body. It will start to whisper at you. It will start to shout. It will start to scream. Well, at the end of lockdown, my body was screaming at me, like full on, like speakers for And I was just like, ah. So, yeah, I had no choice but to kind of go, oh, I think I might need to take this a little bit easier now. So, yeah. so yeah, uh, I've been yeah applying my own. And that's nice. I put a post out yesterday just to say, you know, I've had to focus on my one-to-one clients. I've had to focus on my health. I've had to focus on my family. I haven't had to focus, but I want to focus on my family. Um, <laughs> I mean, Even that, Polly, it's that, do you turn things like pleasurable things into jobs? Because that's what I, I do. do. 
You know where yeah. you said I had to focus on my family, right? This is the kind of thing that I've done. I'm like, <laughs> I have to sit and watch a film with my daughter and spend time. And then I'm like, no, I want to do that. Yeah, I do, but, I really do. But it's, it feels very guilty because there's so many other things to be doing and it's, it feels so decadent to just sit there and like, but actually it's like, if I tell myself I'm doing this for somebody else another member of my family it's okay you've got that kind of caveat so yeah you're the same yeah completely and I love it when I do it you know we've I've really engaged and given like 101 percent to my children and my family and they're just awesome human beings and I'm just so proud of them all you know and like we said at the beginning it's Every aspect of my life has improved being sober. Some like were instant, some were slow, um, but they're all kind of like catching up. You know, it's almost like, I don't know if you do like the, the happiness wheel, you know, where yeah. you mark each aspect of your life. You know, they're, they're all expanding and they're all growing. So I kind of think, why, why would I ever go back to that? If someone gave me an obscene amount of money, I'd just be like, no, I just don't, you know, and I feel really solid, you know, in, in my sobriety. But sometimes it feels really lonely as well. It's like it can oh, be hard, can't it? Sometimes. Yeah, you feel I mean, like, like I, when you were saying before about default can sometimes be miserable. I resonate with that because I think that my default is kind of oh, you know, it's like oh, God, right. And and I, it, it takes me a lot of effort. Well, actually, it takes Lisa a lot of effort <laughs> to to be positive. And it can feel really lonely, like you say, because the vast majority of the people in my life just don't get it. Mm. They think that yeah. a good time is, is going out, getting drunk, socialising. And it's the going out, getting drunk, you know, some of the events in a, in the family, I'm really noticing for what they are. It's not, it's not a Christmas, it's not a baby shower, it's not a wedding. It's an excuse to drink, yeah. And, yeah, you know, exactly. It glares out and I'm like, oh my God, like I was, it's so blinding. I was part of that. And until you're out of it, it's impossible to see. And I always vowed I'd never be the parents I was to my children. I mean, admittedly, the benchmark was pretty low. <laughs> so, but they were both alcoholics. And yeah, and I just think, God, I came so close, so close, you know, but I couldn't see it. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, because I think when you're in it and you're consuming in it and you're telling yourself, you know, you're having fun, it, it's great. You know, for me, I think a lot of it as well was I was so tired and the sugar boosted me and kept me going. So, and that's something I'm kind of, you know, really kind of helping myself with now with the help of like a nutritionist of, of actually this food also gives you energy and can help you, uh, you know, rather than that type of food. And you're like, it's a little bit like alcohol. You're like, oh, oh I didn't realise that. When there's other options that start, like, you're like, oh, okay, well, I didn't realise that. So, okay, I'll try and incorporate some of that in my life. But it seems so obvious. But when you're in it, you're like, oh, right, that's, that's really interesting. It's like coaching oh, clients. You, know, you say things and they're like, or you ask them and they come out of it and they're like, oh my God, that's so simple. That's so obvious. Why didn't I know? Why didn't I think? Because somebody isn't holding space for you. You know, it's like my own, only agenda is what's going on with you and your head and your body and, and everything. So we're getting all of this out and you're over, you're analyzing it to kind of come up with what you need to do yourself. And it's brilliant. But when you have those like light bulb moments yourself, you're like, okay. Right, I'll start doing that then. But <laughs> your um, your 
childhood, and I know we briefly touched on this last time in the sober sessions, it sounds very similar in many ways. And this is where we're alike now, out of the way, Lise. It's very similar to mine. And I think that the way that the way that I grew up was saying things like, and, and you know, I, I say this now with absolute respect for my parents, even they did what they could with the tools they had. And I realise that now they had their own traumas and their own pasts and that's what made them the way they were. But when you're in that, you don't realise it. And I think I used to say things like, well, I know I did, um, I will never grow up to be like them. And because I never really got as bad as them, it allowed me to get almost as bad as them without being them. Does that resonate with you, do you think, Polly? 100%. Yeah, 100%. And like I've just written down the word normal. It's when you're growing up in that, you you think that is your normal. It's not yeah. until you go to a friend's house and you're like, oh, like their parents are really interactive or, or they want to know where their child is or, oh my God, like a, a meal that's been cooked. You're like, wow. <laughs> or, oh my God, that parent's cuddling their child. It's like, oh, I want that. Wow. You know, it's not until you start to kind of see and realise that what's going on for home with you isn't normal, isn't acceptable. You know, I was subject to all forms of abuse, you know, mostly from my alcoholic parents and the, you know, unsavoury people we had around us within kind of growing up. Um, and my mum kind of, yeah, she took her own life when I was eight. Wow. So then I was left, you know, with my father who, you know, who was a lot older than her, been in the wars and, you know, his medicine basically was to sit in a chair and drink whiskey and, you know, we were, I, I was feral, completely feral. I could go out all days, all nights. I had complete freedom. But I was also the one who wasn't invited to children's birthday parties. I was the one who wasn't allowed. No friends were ever allowed to sleep at my house. Now I'm like, as a parent, like, I understand that, you know. So yeah. a few lovely parents who would, you know, take me under their wing and, you know, kind of um, look out for me, you know. But, you know, I, yeah, it was, I'd go into school and um, the teachers would take me home at lunchtime to give me a bath. And my school, my, my shirts were like disgusting. They weren't washed and my hair was lank and I was very, very thin as well. We were given, um, you know, like uh, a tin of hot dogs and tins of tuna and things like that. And that was kind of food. Um, yeah, but he did the best that he could with the tools that were, that were available to him yeah. but for a long time I felt like it was my fault that yeah. mum didn't want to be part of my life and I had to do so much work around that and that to you know to get to the core level of that you know, because that was stemmed a lot of my self-hatred um, and there was times where I thought well I miss her so much I just want to be with her you know I, what's the point I you know I you know and, and yeah I tried to end my life on several occasions and I'm lucky enough here to be today, you know, and I had, you know, I've had amazing friends along the way. Um, he, it got too much for him to care for me. I, I was a handful, you know, I didn't deserve what happened, but I was a handful. I was desperate for attention, any yeah. attention, negative attention. I didn't care. So he put me in hospital um, for the last time. And they kind of came in and said, right, you're going to foster care. I think they've been watching. I don't know how they let it get to such a bad level. I think yeah. there was a lot of sympathy for him as well, you know. It's But anyway, that's, you know, one day I might investigate in it. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. So I'd like some sort of 
closure and a lack of a bit more detail in, in how they did leave you and how they did leave me in such a neglectful state for quite a long time. Um, so I was put into foster care and it was um, 20 miles away from my hometown and for me that was like the end of the world it took me away from everything and it you know it was the best thing that ever happened I was loved um I was fed um I didn't have to kind of do the housework and you know all the things that you know I was 14 at the time all the things a 14 year old shouldn't really be doing um yeah and they're still you know very much part of my family today I'm the one that just never went back I was only supposed to be there for three days um so yeah they're, they're known as grandparents to my children and I, I'm just eternally grateful to them so and um yeah same with my husband as well he just always believed in me and just loved me unconditionally and yeah it's been a big big part of my journey so oh, even though I've tried so to push him away so yeah. <laughs> that is so moving and like I don't want to patronise you at all, but you're like, you know, to consider where you are now from where you've come from. Yeah, mm. a journey, yeah, it's been difficult, but, you know, you must be incredibly proud of yourself to have come through. I know we don't get over it, and, and you know, by the sounds of things, things are rougher for you than they were for me, but we don't get over it, but you've come through it, haven't you? Definitely, and I'm grateful for every single thing that happened to me because it's made me the person I am today. Even, you know, even the bad stuff, it's like I can now empathize and help um, other people that, you know, feel safe enough to talk to me about the things that have happened. I can never understand it from their perspective because yeah. we all have different versions of it. But, I, you know, and I love my job. I love, love, love my job. I think it's more like a vacation. And that fills me up, you know, more than any. And so to have that deep level of satisfaction and to give back i'm i'm you know i'm extremely happy so um and i you know speak openly and honest to my children about it and they know and i'm really open and honest about my journey and just to hope that if i'm speaking out about things other people you know if i'm as vulnerable and honest as i can be other it gives permission to other people to you know help them with their kind of demon stories and to know that just to give people hope and to inspire people that you know the way that I was thinking feeling and behaving wasn't going to be like that forever I really felt like you know my life was going to be you know I was going to be thinking feeling and behaving like that forever and now on the flip side it's like oh my gosh like people need to know this that you can change all of this you know yes it takes work work it takes effort it takes stepping up it takes having conversations with yourself that you don't want you know yeah. but it's the the other side is just absolutely phenomenal so i want like everybody to know in the world <laughs> oh that's amazing honestly Polly. before we kind of finish would you mind telling everybody just as you can with the detail that's needed about what your business is where they can find you because I'd love to recommend some of what you do to people on our podcast. I think you've got a heck of a lot to offer. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, like I said, it's kind of evolved as I've evolved, really. And I really love working with people who, there's a lot of, what I see at the moment, there's a lot of support out there to help people who are just started, like just early gates, just kind of started. But I kind of like working with people who are further on, who have gone, oh, well, this is rubbish. 
Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to drinking and to kind of scoop them up and go, there's a little bit more going on here than just the drink. You know, I feel there's there's not a lot of support there for people who have gone, well, I've done X amount of days and it it's rubbish, it's crap, you know, and to help them look at other aspects of their life and what's going on, you know, inside their head and their body um, to help them, you know, make a full recovery rather than kind of going back. So, um, I'm an empowerment coach as well, which kind of all part, all part and parcel of it all to help you, you know, exactly like you said, kind of that resilience by saying no, helping with, you know, yourself with boundaries and generally just empowering your life in all shapes and forms. So, um, so yeah, I can put some links in later if you want. Yes, well, definitely when we do the bio and things, we'd love to have all your links, your handles everywhere, everyone can find you. So if you just hang on at the end when we finish the podcast and we'll just have a brief chat about that because definitely and I, I'm, I've already got people in mind and I know oh, Lisa wow. yeah. who massively helped by, you know, because we do the early stages. We're, yeah. we're helping people get sober and yeah. they, they get to 30 days, 100 days. Even longer. Even yeah, longer. I know. What am I going to do with my life now? You know, yeah, I got to three six five and went. Now what? Yeah, like, yeah. I was bitterly disappointed. I was like, uh, now a lot. I felt really, really lost, and I was. And that's the sort of people that I kind of want to go. Okay, look, you've nailed this. You've done yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Look how creative and resourceful you are. Now what's next? You know, to help them take it on that next level, and to you know help with the healing as well, and to help them have a better relationship with themselves because. Drinking, you know, we, we drink because we're trying to fill a void, you know, yeah. and trying to get to the bottom of why this void is there and how we can fill it up in a way that's satisfying and a way that's constructive going forward. And I just don't yeah. feel there's enough support. There is. No, I, I think it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You, I can tell by Lisa's face. She's like, mm. <laughs> no, I do. I just think it's fantastic. It, it didn't even cross my mind so I think it's just absolute I don't even know why it didn't but that's just yeah it's genius people definitely oh, definitely need that yeah. so can, can I just say anyway, yeah anyway we can kind of help to collaborate in that way as yeah, well, well because definitely. I don't know how quite to get my message out to kind of make it clear it's not something you just drop on drop in on your personal page it's kind of I'm unclear how to get that you know completely being honest unclear how to get that out so it's and I'm, I've seen your progress and your marketing and, and how you're doing it I'm like wow god so yeah yeah we, we, hang, yeah, we can have a chat about that yeah. definitely yeah. I just want to say before we do go because I am dead wary of time but honestly thank you so much for being so honest and opening up to us because I know that that will really, really help um, so many people. Like you said, when you share your story, it does inspire others. And I just, I'm really honoured to talk to you. And yeah, it's given me proper goose pimples that. But thank you oh, so, thanks, so much for that. Thank you so much. Yeah, really enjoyed oh, it. You're so welcome. I've absolutely loved it. It's amazing. So, oh, and we'll speak to you soon, hopefully. Most definitely. We definitely will do. Definitely will in about five minutes when we've gone off the podcast and we're going to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.